0: Welcome to Music for Life, exploring the purpose and value of music to humanity's enrichment. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. episode of Music for Life, we open the program with a portion of the first movement of Mozart's Sinfonia Concertante. It's a recording by the Israel Philharmonic Orchestra, conductor Zubin Mehta, violinist Itzhak Proman, and violist Pinka Zuckerman. This piece is an orchestral work which features a violin-viola duet, and it stands as one of the great duets of music history. Today on Music for Life, we are going to explore some of the great instrument pairings and famous duets of the standard repertoire. In our Sounds of Scripture segment, we will examine one particular duo whose singing helped open prison gates. And for our Classroom Corner segment, we will discuss how performing with at least one other person helps the solo instrumentalist grow. So stick around as we discuss music's dynamic duos on today's episode titled Music for Pairs. Last season on Music for Life, we discussed some of the basic instrument families and how they were exploited throughout history. That's a finite list of things to explore, so, as I stated at the beginning of this season, I want to explore different combinations of instruments, the great trios, quartets, and so on of music history. We've already discussed the great solo repertoire of history from instruments that are usually not heard completely solo but accompanied. And today, Let's explore compositions that pair two instruments together. Before we get into our usual sweep of standard music history, let's have a brief Sounds of Scripture segment where we survey the Bible's many references to music for a longer sweeping historical perspective on our episode's theme. And I think this is an interesting tie-in to our subject. The Bible is full of pairs, dynamic duos, not necessarily mentioned in a musical sense, but in a functional sense the New Testament constantly references God the Father and Christ the Son. On the human level, in the Old Testament, there were teams like Moses and Aaron and other prophet-king or prophet-priest duos. In the New Testament, the ministry of the New Testament church commonly went out in pairs, and we have one such pair worth noting here as there is a musical reference surrounding them. Now, this wasn't a typical music performance as we would think of it today. I'm talking about the ministerial team of Paul and Silas. They had been savagely beaten and imprisoned while in Philippi. And Acts 16.24 says they were thrust into the inner prison, which would have been the worst conditions in the whole place, their feet even being bound in stocks. Verse 25 says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed, And sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Again, this wasn't your typical music performance, but their singing was loud enough to be heard by all the prisoners outside the inner prison. The Bible is sure to record the results of this performance. Verse 26 says, Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. Everyone's bands were loosed. The prison keeper woke up and saw all the doors open and almost killed himself, thinking all the prisoners would have fled on his watch. But Paul cried with a loud voice. Verse 28 says, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. The keeper of the prison was so moved by what happened, he wanted to know more about the God of Paul and Silas and what he needed to do to be saved. The miraculous result of this duo's loud singing of praises were twofold the literal earth shaking that loosed the prison's restraints, but also the spiritual earth shaking, you could say, that occurred in the life of the jailer who became converted after all this. All of it was a result of the singing of praises from these two men of God. The Greek for sing praises is one word, hymneo, from where we get our word hymn. The meaning of that word shows that it was not just singing that they were doing, but they were praising and celebrating in their singing. These weren't mournful dirges, but joyous celebrations from this wounded and imprisoned duo. Certainly, the prison conditions would confirm to us that this pair sang unaccompanied, but they lifted up their voices loudly in these hymns nonetheless. This has been Sounds of Scripture. You are listening to Music for Life. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. Today we are exploring the great instrument pairings and famous duets of music history in an episode I've titled, Music for Pairs. The Baroque era contains a fair share of duets. The vocal literature contains pairings of different vocal soloists throughout the operas and oratorios that were written. Then there are the bevy of concertos for two instruments. Every violin student who goes through the Suzuki method plays some of the Bach concerto for two violins. There's also Handel's double concerto for oboe and bassoon. Handel also wrote a concerto for two cellos, as did Vivaldi. We're going to hear a double concerto by Vivaldi, the concerto for two trumpets. It's the only one of its kind produced by the composer. See, rarely did works of the early 1700s feature brass instruments, as the trumpet at this time was valveless so the instrument's ability to play certain notes was quite restricted. The ability of one to play such a piece depended a lot on the lip control of the performer to create the different pitches, much like our modern bugle. As we listen to these different couplings or pairings today, we'll see the duo is being treated in one of two general ways. One common way the composer will write for the duo is to have them play simultaneously, in harmony that is, and in parallel motion. Another common way to treat a duo is to have them play at separate times, back and forth, in more of an imitative way, which is how Vivaldi does it here with these two trumpets. Let's hear the first movement in a recording by the City of London Symphonia, conductor Nicholas Kramer and trumpeters Michael Meeks and Crispian Steele Perkins. Trumpeters Michael Meeks and Crispian Steele Perkins, with the City of London Symphonia under Nicholas Kramer, performed the first movement of Antonio Vivaldi's Concerto for Two Trumpets. And that was an example from the Baroque era. As we move into the classical era, we approach the big three composers Haydn, Mozart, and Beethoven. Haydn wrote six sonatas for two violins. Beethoven wrote a handful of duos, one for two violins, one for two flutes, and one for unaccompanied viola and cello. But a more common pairing of the time was that of two pianists. There have been many works written for two pianists at one piano. Mozart wrote four full sonatas for four hands on one piano. And we've talked a lot about the Mozart two piano sonata. So four hands, two pianos. Mozart even wrote a piano concerto for two pianos and orchestra. As stated at the top of this program, we always use another pairing of Mozart's at the beginning and end of each episode of Music for Life, the first movement of the Sinfonia Concertante in E-flat. A Sinfonia Concertante might commonly showcase multiple soloists within an orchestra. This particular one, though, works more like a double concerto for violin, viola, and orchestra. As our classical era example, let's hear the charming third and final movement of this lovely partnership of violin and viola. This is from the same recording I played earlier. Listening to Music for Life. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. Today's episode is titled Music for Pairs, P A I R S. And in it, we are exploring the great instrument pairings and some significant duets of music history. That was violinist Itzhak Perlman and violist Pinka Zuckerman, along with the Israel Philharmonic Orchestra under conductor Zubin Mehta, in that recording of the third movement of Mozart's Sinfonia Concertante for violin, viola, and orchestra. And as I said, you hear the first movement of that to begin and end Music for Life each week. As we move into the Romantic era, we come to another grand duet of the time the famous double concerto by Johannes Brahms for violin, cello, and orchestra. Brahms wrote this after having a falling out with a good friend of his, Josef Joachim, who himself was a violinist. He dedicated the piece to Joachim in efforts to reconcile. The piece was meant to symbolize friendship in some specific musical ways written into the score, which we don't have time to discuss here but there's the obvious interplay of the violin and cello representing that. And there's even the fact that the premiere was meant to be performed by Joachim on the violin and another colleague on the cello and Brahms himself conducting the orchestra. The Philadelphia Church of God, which sponsors this podcast, has an article on its website, pcog.org, which states this about the concerto. The interplay of these two instruments, so intricate and intimate, was a major part of the friendship symbolism that Brahms wrote into the music, like two old friends conversing, sharing their trials, their dreams, and their triumphs. I can post a link to this article in our show notes. One modern music critic, Andreas Richter, said, It is easy to see the two friends in the interplay of the two solo instruments and to interpret the duet in thirds in the finale of the last movement as the final peacemaking. This is a recording I have of Isaac Stern violinist, Leonard Rose cellist, and Eugene Ormandy in the Philadelphia Orchestra. G. Normandy conducted the Philadelphia Orchestra in that recording of Brahms' Double Concerto for violin and cello. That was the third movement, and we heard violinist Isaac Stern and cellist Leonard Rose. In the genre of opera, there are loads of wonderful duets. On one of our pre-concert talk episodes, I played the famous flower duet from Leo Delib's opera Lachme. Another great duet from the opera literature is from Georges Bizet's opera The Pearl Fishers. Now, this opera isn't as famous as his Carmen, but the duet is one of the most beloved in all of operatic literature. Between a tenor and a baritone, and this is certainly fitting to play at this point in the program, just after the Brahms Concerto, because this too is a duet about friendship. The two characters declare the strength and unity of their friendship, particularly in resolving not to be split apart by their love for the same woman. Here is a recording by Luciano Pavarotti and Nikolai Gyarov singing the Pearl Fisher's Duet by Georges Bizet. Robin Stapleton conducts the National Philharmonic Orchestra.
1: The tragedy is a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a a good thing. It's a
0: Luciano Pavarotti and bass Nikolai Gyarov sang with the National Philharmonic Orchestra under Robin Stapleton, Georges Bizet's Pearl Fisher's duet. And that was one of the many great duets from the operatic tradition. Closely related would be duets in the choral orchestral literature of the Romantic era. An absolutely sublime duet can be found in Giuseppe Verdi's Requiem. We've talked about the heart-pumping and frightening movements of this work on previous episodes, and recently I played a beautiful unaccompanied choral section of this piece. This is another one of the softer movements from this epic work. This is the Agnus Dei, or Lamb of God, movement. It features a duet between a soprano and a mezzo-soprano, soprano. Verdi has the two voices singing in octaves or eight notes apart almost the entire time, an exquisite color that comes from the blending of these two voices in that interval. They start completely unaccompanied, in fact, as they present the main melody of this movement. And then the work alternates between the female vocal duet and the chorus, with the orchestra coming in with the chorus. We're going to hear soprano Cheryl Studer, mezzo-soprano Mariana Liposchick, the Vienna State Opera Chorus, and the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra, with Claudio Abado conducting. That was the Agnus Dei, or Lamb of God, movement, from Giuseppe Verdi's Requiem, and that featured a soprano and mezzo-soprano duet, Cheryl Studer and Mariana Liposchik, and the Vienna State Opera Chorus and Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra under Claudio Abbado. In the modern era, we have an orchestral work by Bela Bartok, his Concerto for Orchestra, We talked about this on a couple different episodes last season. It's a five-movement work that treats the single orchestral instruments in a soloistic manner. But the second movement explores the idea of pairing instruments together in a movement titled Game of the Pairs. Bartok explores a melody by expressing it merely through a pair of bassoons first, then a pair of oboes, then a pair of clarinets, then a pair of flutes, and finally a pair of muted trumpets. This piece is in ternary or three-part form, where the first and third sections are basically the same, and the middle section is a contrasting section. I'm actually only going to play this opening section where you hear the pairings of these instruments since I've played this movement on other episodes. Here is a recording with Fritz Reiner and the Chicago Symphony symphony orchestra. Thank you. Fritz Reiner conducted the Chicago Symphony Orchestra in that portion of the second movement of Bela Bartok's Concerto for Orchestra, a movement titled Game of the Pairs. Next, let's have our classroom corner where we explore different methods and curricula for introducing young people to music. Most instrumentalists start out learning their instrument alone, unless they have begun as part of a school band or orchestra program, and some instrumentalists, like pianists, could go years only playing solo. And yet, as soon as these instrumentalists add at least one other person, They learn things about music they might have never learned otherwise. They are held accountable for a whole host of new things. For example, accompanying helps the pianist improve his or her understanding of interpretation, it can significantly help develop stronger sight reading skills, and the ability to recognize nonverbal cues from the other performer. Similarly, performing duets with the same instrument, two violins for example, is beneficial because it not only teaches musicians how to play their own parts, but how to follow along with. another part concurrently. This increases ear training as well as the ability to sight-read, teaching the musicians how to recognize patterns, which can be hugely beneficial in future practice sessions and performances. Learning duets helps develop a stronger sense of timing and encourages instrumentalists to really listen to the piece, not only to their part, but to the part of their partner. This will ensure that there is a balance between the parts and that ideas between the two are accurately articulated. A pianist learning a duet, for example, must be able to execute appropriate dynamics, articulation, phrasing, and tempo changes in his or her own playing, but do so while listening to the other pianist. And then questions come up like, who turns the page, who pedals, who has the melody, how do we work with limited space on the keys? All those arise when performing a duet, questions that a pianist would not have to confront during a solo performance. Duets make pianists more aware of pedaling in particular, because one either has to pedal for another, or one has to be pedaled for by the other. Accompanying and playing duets can also act as a tremendous motivation for a musician to practice as effectively as possible, to come to rehearsals as prepared as possible, to not let the partner down. Even in a piece where an instrumentalist is performing solo, as in a concerto, working together with the orchestra to develop a unique interpretation of the piece encourages a great deal of musicianship and preparation. Duets can even be preparatory to larger ensemble or orchestral playing. This has been Classroom Corner. You are listening to Music for Life. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. And today we have explored the great instrument pairings and some significant duets of music history in an episode titled Music for Pairs. We've heard instrument duos passed through an orchestral work. We've heard vocal duos for soprano and mezzo-soprano and for tenor and bass. We've heard a couple of double concertos, from two trumpets, to violin and viola, to violin and cello. We've heard one common way for composers to write for duos, that is to have them play simultaneously in harmony and in parallel motion. And we've heard another way for them to write for duos, and that is to have the duet play at separate times back and forth in more of an imitative way. I hope you've enjoyed this program, and remember you can follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at Music for Life PCG. We post new teasers, interesting facts, exciting videos, some show notes, and upcoming performances on the Armstrong College campus here in Edmond. Finally, let's have our dessert for today, where we hear an example from the popular or folk tradition to end the program. Two giants of the American jazz tradition were the incomparable jazz vocalist Ella Fitzgerald and trumpeter Louis Armstrong, also known as Satchmo, who also himself recorded as a vocalist with his distinct vocal quality. And though few things are better than either Ella or Louis, perhaps one thing that is better is Ella and Louie. This is from the best of duet album. This is Let's Call the Whole Thing Off.
1: It looks as if we two will never be one. Something must be done.
2: You say either, I say either. You say neither, and I say neither. Either, either, and either, neither uh, Let's call the whole thing off Yes, you like potato, and I like potato You like tomato, and I like tomato Potato, potato, tomato, tomato Let's call the whole thing off But oh, if we call the whole thing off and we must part, and oh, if we ever part, then that might break my heart. So if you like pajamas, I like pajamas. I'll wear pajamas, give up pajamas, for we know we need each other. So we better call, call it off off. Oh, let's go. You say laughter, and I say laughter.
1: You say after, and I say after. Laughter, laughter, after, after. Let's call the whole thing off. You like vanilla, and I like vanilla. You sarsaparilla, and I sarsaparilla. Vanilla, vanilla, or chocolate, strawberry. Let's call the whole thing off, but. Oh-
2: Either. Neither. That's Let's call the whole thing off. Oh, yes. You like potato. And you like potato. You like tomato. And you like tomato. Potato. 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 Tomato. Let's, Let's call the whole thing off. But oh, if we call the whole thing off, off and then we must call it and oh Oh, so if you like pajamas, I like pajamas, I'll wear pajamas. you got pajamas. Well, we, oh, we know, know we need each, each
1: other, so we better, better call all the all calling all of all. All. Let's go